let's start with the basics, right? So I'm here because of you. I work now at Keller Williams as a productivity coach, and I'm getting into real estate because you convinced me that it's the right thing to do. And I totally wore you down. Wore me down. Like a, like a 200-pound running back. Just kept sending it up and down. Yeah, wore me down like my doctor saying, stop eating salt, stop eating salt. You're going to die if you don't stop eating salt. But uh, what I'm starting to learn is that it's very different than what people think it is. Yeah. All right, so like yesterday in class, we talked a lot about inflation. All right, and we're all talking about the housing market goes up and down, and this thing goes up and down, and the Fed sets the interest rate. And I didn't think it was explained all that well, because if you can't explain it to me, probably can't explain it to a whole lot of other people. Sure. So I was wondering how you would explain or define or how you kind of wrap your head around the idea of inflation. Okay. Well, it's funny, because I, I had somebody ask me the same question earlier today, out of nowhere, honestly. And I was happy with the answer I gave him. Uh, and I, he was too, and he said, you know, you should do a podcast, and I said, well, you know, why not? So if I have a little bit more time, then I want to go a little bit deeper. So you talked about you know, the Federal Reserve, you talked about the housing market, you talked about inflation, there's a lot there, right? So let's start at the top. The interesting thing about the Federal Reserve is that uh, it's not federal. It's not federal have, at all. And they have no reserves. No, they're it's nice just some building with guys in it. Yeah, so how the Federal Reserve works is, so there's central banks all over the world, okay? For the purposes of our conversation, we're going to keep it here in America. Central Bank for America is the Federal Reserve. Their mandate is to control inflation. And by control, I mean that to set it at a certain pace that they think uh, will keep things moving along the way it's supposed to move. Now, the interesting thing about that is the majority of them are academics and economists. Most of them have never owned a business. They've never done they've anything never in the private sector. profit loss statement. <laughs> no, they have no idea. They're just a bunch of academics in an ivory tower who are just trying to keep their pension moving forward. So... A lot of these guys, especially in that world, if they had to eat their own cooking, they'd change a lot of it. But we're not going to solve that problem here today. Let's, let's, let's talk about inflation. So um, they set interest rates. Okay, and Interest rates are usually a hot-button thing because, you know, I'm assuming you've had a credit card at some point, you've had a car loan, whatever those cases might be. There's a lot of interest rates, right? Mm -hmm. They set the interest rate essentially for uh, the world for all intents and purposes. Now, when it comes to interest rates for houses and things like that, that's really actually a product of the bond market. And we don't have enough time for that conversation here today. But just know that when you hear the Federal Reserve or you're sitting there drinking your coffee, I walk by every morning in April watching, you know, see uh, not CNN, but uh, the Today Show. And it just cracks me up when I listen to their pundits. Cause oh, and they, interest rates yeah. went down another quarter percent. They, have, they don't know what they're talking about. Someone goes, what does that mean? They go, it means it went down a quarter of a percent. Exactly, oh. exactly. So... That's something that they don't really understand. Now, inflation is kind of, to me, it's kind of a misnomer because inflation suggests that it's something that's, that's rising or growing, right? But in reality, inflation in its purest form is actually the lowering of value, not the creating of value. And that's where I think a lot of people get confused. And it's, it's, you know, it's tough to say because it's a very inverse moment there. So essentially what inflation is, is what will my dollar buy me today? What will my dollar buy me in the future? And what will my dollar buy me in the past, right? I'm sure at some point, you know, during some random stocking stuff for Christmas, you got something in there that you know, said, oh, the year you were born, 1986, right? Same thing. And it showed you what a carton of eggs cost, showed you what a, a gallon of milk cost, a pound of sugar, so on and so forth. Did you know that there's something called the CPI for the Consumer Price Index that literally what they do, literally, is they go out to a store and they buy all that stuff and they add up the basket. 
That's literally what they do. Yep. They'll go buy toothpaste, a pound of sugar, and then that, you know, that'll, that's what they use. Okay, so that's what the consumer, that's what the consumer's feeling at home. And they'll make their adjustments based on that. Well, I, I want to raise interest rates just to cool off an economy that's getting too you know, out of hand. If I want to lower interest rates to stimulate borrowing so that people will build infrastructure and grow businesses and so on and so forth, so on and so forth. So they're the, they're the giant arbiters of that. Now, what happens when they get decoupled, and this is what we're starting to see now, and people are going to start seeing it more. It's just a question of when it comes into the limelight. You're the second person answering about inflation today, so that would tell me that that means things are probably, down. Things are probably moving in that direction. So basically, in a nutshell, the Federal Reserve is trying to control consumer prices and consumer spending habits as best they can. Housing, which is the world we're in, if you think of housing like a ship that's on the earth, right, on its seas, and the seas are the economy, that ship of housing represents about 16% of the economy as a whole. Okay, if you strip away everything and silo it off, it's about 16%. That's not um, small, realistic. No, that's, that's, that's consequential. No, that's what you'd hope to have in market share in an electronics company. Bingo. <laughs> so when you, when you look at that, it's not just a question of housing, right? There's spin-offs of that. There's realtors. There's home builders. There's inspectors. Consultants. All those, all those types of things. So they want to keep the housing market as regulated as they can because they also know that you can't live in the internet, right? Housing is the one thing that's unassailable. You needed a hut 500 years ago, you will need a hut 500 years from now. That's never going to change. It's just a question of what the hut looks like. So let me get back to your original question, which is inflation. I had to kind of unpack all that. It's fine. So inflation, what happens is it's, what, it's measuring what your dollar actually buys. So a couple months ago, I went to go get uh, eggs. And a two-pack of 18 eggs was $2.50, $2.75, something like that. I went a couple weeks ago, it was $6.59. Now, a lot of people might say, well, there was an egg scare, but was there really? Do you know how many eggs or you know how many chickens are pumping out eggs a day across this country? The number would floor you. What's really happening is you're starting to see your dollar is buying less. You've been to the gas pump recently, mm -hmm. and you've seen the gas prices are continuing to increase. You talk to some people, they'll tell you, oh, well, you know, <laughs> well, you know, Memorial Day is coming up, and the prices always go up during Memorial Day because they know people are going to be traveling, and they're just trying to, you know, fleece you a little bit. I kind of wish that was the case, because that would suggest that it would go back down. Mm -hmm. What's actually happening is the dollar, okay, the dollar that's in your pocket, I don't have my wallet with me, but the dollar that's in your pocket says property of the Federal Reserve, which again, isn't federal, it has no reserves. So it's being manipulated by them. Now, manipulated has kind of a negative connotation, but let's just say it's being directed by them, right? Yeah. So what they're mandated is, is to control inflation, but it's starting to get out of hand with them, and they don't know what to do. You, you notice that they're trying to raise interest rates now. They're too little too late. They left interest rates flat for six, seven, eight years, and that was a bad idea. Because essentially what they've done is they cut their grass too short, and now they're overrun with weeds, and they have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing now is like, okay, we'll start so ratcheting up. to kill the whole lawn. Exactly. So they're just throwing feed. Everywhere. So they're going to start yeah, ratcheting up interest rates. What they don't understand is Johnny B. Consumer, for the most part, they are not ready for that. They still have adjustable rate mortgages. They still have... Uh, student loans that are in predatory rates. They still have credit cards that have revolving interest. They're not ready for interest rates to start coming back up. They're not ready yet. And what you're starting to see is things ratchet up in price. Now, I mentioned gas. Okay, I mentioned the Federal Reserve. The dollar has technically been oil since 1971. Most people don't know that. 
Because we left the gold standard under Nixon. That's correct. Okay, so what happened in 1971, yep, that they broke the gold standard. It was supposed to be temporary. Temporary. And here we are, how many years later? Too many. That's too many. So we're almost 50 years, almost half a century into that cycle. And because those two things are so far apart, I'm not a gold bug, I'm not going to sit here and convince you that precious metal is the way to go. It is, but I'm not going to convince you of that. Mm -hmm. What has happened is those things have disconnected to such a degree that the dollar is really not so much an American currency anymore, if you think about it, and it's really just it's a worldwide standard of measurement. Yeah, it's called the petrodollar. All right, so the petrodollar is essentially everywhere in the world. So I'm in America, right? You're Venezuela. You're, that's probably a bad example. We <laughs> They're not buying anything. Yeah, you're giving us country. You're the Philippines. You're Thailand. Who cares? If when you buy, when you buy your Thailand, and you buy your oil, your crude, from Zimbabwe, you're exchanging that in dollars. It doesn't matter if you have to be in control. Yep. So all oil in the world is based on the dollar. And when you understand that, you start to see some of the other issues of the country and the world and why we're in the situation that we're in a lot of ways. So the, if I'm getting this right, it's not products that raise and lower in price. It's the dollar that raises and lowers in value meaning you have to give more dollars to get that same. Yes. So a barrel of oil is always really the same value. Yes. It's just a matter of how many dollars equal that value That's dependent on what the dollars worth. That's correct. Okay. That makes a lot more sense, though. Yes. So like people go, oh, my house just raised 12% in value. No. The dollar went down enough that people have to give you 12% more dollars because the, each one is worth less. Yes. I mean, outside... We always look at it as, it's 100 cents. Well, yeah, but... You have no. to, there's other things there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you exclude the, you know, the very constant of supply and demand, growing population, there's other factors there. But what no, you're saying is true. It's a question. If there's an inverse relationship between value and price, yeah. right? But, like, eggs have never... They've raised in price, but they've never raised in value. No. The dollar became less valuable. Mm -hmm. So instead of a penny getting you a day at the arcade, now it's $4 for 12x. Correct. That's okay. exactly right. So what, that's what you're starting to see as far as inflation goes, and what that's doing is it's putting pressure on people's ability to finance things at home. If I have to pay three fifty dollars a, ga a gallon for fuel, but my, but my commute hasn't changed, my day-to-day -day activities haven't changed, then I'm still doing the same amount of work, but at the end of the day, I have less in my pocket. And that's a fear I've had. Um, for the last 18 months, actually, as I watch the, the housing prices continue, especially the first-time buyer market, continue to ratchet up, my fear is that those other factors of inflation around the country are going to siphon off enough spending money from the populace that the price is going to get just out of reach for them. And, and the bank is, and, and when you look at the programs, right, the assessment comes in, oh, well, you need $3,000 more in cash. I don't have $3,000 more in cash. Now we're losing a potential future, a happy buyer, a happy seller, creation of wealth, which is really what it is, yeah. all because and we that, don't have any spending money. Correct. And what you're going to start to see is you're going to start to see more adjustments across the country. Like, mark my words, you'll just start seeing this sooner than later because the government, they want you to buy a house because people that own houses are more stable. They want you to have little taxpayers because that guarantees them future income streams. I know that's kind of dark, but it's still reality. It's a business. Yeah, they're still a business. Just they provide a service. Run one. Well, they, yeah, they provide a service for a cost. Yes, so in essence, they are capitalists to some degree. So my point is, in all of this, is that inflation is the price of something going up while its static value essentially sits still. To your point about the eggs. Yeah. The eggs are the same eggs that we, these eggs are probably worse than the ones 50 years ago. Yeah. But instead of costing, you know, 40 cents a, a carton, that number has been ratcheted up dramatically. And here's the other problem. 
inflation is like chicken pox. If, if anywhere it touches, once they start touching other parts, they start to affect each other. So you look at inflation and like, you know, the cost of eggs, okay? If eggs are three times what they're supposed to cost, that means you can buy half the fuel per gallon. Well, the fuel per gallon is continuing to go up. So you can see how it puts a tremendous strain on people at home. So the federal, it, it also changes the whole argument of people go like, well, you know, we make so much more money than we used to in 1940. And you go, well, you have more dollars, but you don't have more wealth. Yeah. It's just that you need more ones to make one. Exactly. Than it is than it was then. If you had a twenty dollar bill, it was the equivalent of a hundred dollar bill because now you need five twenty dollar bills. Yes, in order to buy a for a hundred, it's crazy. And we're just printing money, so exactly. we're creating an a false supply, artificial to, supply, an artificial supply to meet a very real demand. Yes, and that's really the problem. Like remember the fidget spinners? Everybody had to have that summer, and you yep. couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't go get you know a soda without having to buy a fidget spinner. Go anywhere now and see how they're marked down to eight cents a piece. That's really the problem. When you when you glut everything with supply, then the price then the price of it naturally goes down, right? Supply and demand. So during the, the recession and the subsequent recovery, they had they had their fingers so hard on the printing press that all they were doing was just flooding the market with you know artificial dollar cheap money. And the problem with inflation is, and you can see this around the country. This is not a new thing. You can Google video of the people standing in Greece where they have hyperinflation, like waiting to get their sixty dollars out a day. You can look at stuff in Venezuela where you know it's ten thousand dollars for a loaf of bread. We're not there, and the good news is as we'll super, never get we're, we're never gonna get there because the, the, we're a superpower. We control it all, just the one intermediary or another. But my point is, yeah, we control it, but you and I don't control it as the average working slug. We're just yeah. we're a product of it. So inflation is basically the inability for you to keep your dollars, because the dollars that you keep are becoming so, so unvaluable. Let me ask you this. When you were a little kid, you were taught what was money saver, right? Mm -hmm. What was your, give me a, throw a number at me. What was the interest rate you remember as a kid on a savings account or a CD? It was like three and a half. Three and a half percent, okay. ING, I remember. Yep. So I don't use this anymore. If you do, shout out. Yeah, they don't. So, sorry. In 19, <laughs> okay, so check this out, right? Here's a real life example of inflation. In 1971, I could get 15% on my savings. I could have a million dollars in the bank. I'm a millionaire. I'm getting 15%, which is $150,000 a year. I could live on $150,000 a year today. Imagine right. what you could do in 1971. Now, now I'm at half a percent. So I could be a millionaire. My interest is $20,000 a year, if my math is right. Yep. Is that close? Let's see, 1%. Could be it's that ten thousand? No, it's five thousand. Five thousand bucks. So I could be a millionaire and still be below the poverty line. That's inflation in a nutshell. Because mm -hmm. you can't live off the interest rates anymore. So let me ask you this: If the dollar is valuable, how come saving it isn't worth anything from an interest rate standpoint? Now, and why does the bank have to then put it into something else? They trade it for something that will raise in value, just to take those pieces of paper back out and give them to you when you're done with it. If you, want, if you want the perfect real-life example, how about this? So I'm not going to pick on any big bank, but let me just, I'm a big bank, right? You know me. Um, you see me on the corner, because they all do this. You come in, and you give me $5,000 to open up a savings account. I'm going to give you one-tenth of 1% 1 of interest. If you're lucky, I'm going to give you that. One-tenth of 1%, so $1,000 in interest on your million over the course of the year. If I give you a credit card, and you, you make a five thousand dollar purchase. I'm going to charge twenty two and a half. I'm going to charge you twenty five if I can. So 
So 24%. So explain to me how the same dollar coming in and being held is useless to a bank, financially speaking, and to you as a consumer. But taking that dollar and lending it out, I get to charge a premium that's in excess of, what, 500%? Mm -hmm. How does that make any sense? How come, where, where's the transfer there? Well, the reality is they don't want to hold dollars. They want debt because debt is the new dollar. And that's where inflation is starting to you know, really create some issues. So by debt is the new dollar, what you're saying is if you can buy things that are either stagnant in value or increasing in value, you should trade all of your dollars for them. Not, and all is obviously an exaggeration, but like when you look at a house, right? So we look at real estate, and what I'm hearing from you is the house never changes in value. The only thing that changes is how many pieces of paper people have to give you. And how much the bank, how many pieces of paper the bank is going to charge them to take yeah. that money. Yeah, so my house my house was built in 1940. So my house was originally purchased around the gold standard. So technically it was purchased in gold. And then when it was sold in 1991, we were no longer on a gold standard. We had the dollar. So it was purchased with the dollar. And then when I bought it, I used 100% financing because I could at the time. So I bought it in debt. Someday it might be sold in Bitcoin, but the house, its intrinsic value will always be the same, right? However, if I, you know, to kind of go back to what you were saying a minute ago, so I have a mortgage on my house, right? Mortgage is a debt instrument, mm -hmm. all right? So I took out a loan, a mortgage, to purchase my home. And when I get paid from business, sales, whatever the case might be, and I pay my mortgage, I'm paying my mortgage, which is a loan, which mm -hmm. is a debt, I'm paying them back with dollars that are losing value. So as my house increases in value relative to supply and demand, other market forces, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm paying in back with dollars that are losing value. And how you grow wealth is in the spread. So when I say that that's the new dollar, I'm talking about the ability to leverage your ability to purchase. If I said to you, Tom, uh, I want you to go into Citibank or go to Wall Street and tell me you want to buy a million dollars worth of Amazon. But tell them you only want to put 3.5% down. You want them to finance the rest. But when you go to sell it, you get to recoup everything. They'd laugh you out of the building. Mm -hmm. Walk into, you know, go to whoever you want to talk to in terms of realtor, you know, lending partner, whatever the case might be. Tell me you want to buy a $200,000 house and you only want to put 3.5% down. You'll have I'll people, give you you'll have people beating down your door yep. to do that. Why is that? What's the difference? Well, because they get to take your debt and they know you're going to pay 45 to 5.5% on it. And it's not a real dollar. So to your point, it's more valuable because you can't devalue something that's not real. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So as, as inflation continues to tick up, because that's what it's been doing consistently over all the span of our lifetimes and before us, every dollar I get will be less valuable. What the hell do I care? I'm giving it to the bank to keep my asset, which is increasing in value. So if I'm hearing you, here's what people should do. You should take your money and you should use it to pay off a loan for something that's an appreciating asset. You should buy a home and you should pay money on it because... You're giving them something that's lessening in value, or mm -hmm. something that's increasing in value. So you're basically yes. yard selling, yes, constantly. And the rate of return and the rate of of inflation is going to be less than their interest rate. Mm -hmm. And now you have an asset that you can trade. And if the dollar goes to zero, say we adopt Bitcoin, yeah. in September, you still have the house. Exactly. That's the point. That is the point I'm trying to communicate. And that's and at the end of the day, that's really why the bank is willing to loan you two hundred thousand dollars because they go, yeah. If he doesn't pay, pay for house. it, great. We'll get $486,000 after 30 years. Or you won't pay for it, 
and we'll just take the house. And now we own a house, and the house can't be inflated. Whether we're trading in dollars, whether or not you and I are trading in cups of oil, whether or not it's Bitcoin, whether it's pixie dust, at the end of the day, you still need a HUD. And, and the best fight against inflation is real assets. Real, I can touch them with my hands. That's just my thought on, on, on battling inflation because it's a market force that you and I can't do anything about. It makes sense, and I think it's really important that because, I mean, I'm 32, mm -hmm. and I had never thought about inflation as it's not the price of goods, services, and needs that goes up and down. It's not the price of labor that goes up and down. It's the amount of dollars that the pool of which becomes the value, mm -hmm. right? And that's very weird. Like when I was made, when I worked at the company that I used to work for, and I made a hundred thousand dollars, I always wondered why I didn't have any money. It was because I was trading it for either depreciating assets mm -hmm. or increasing assets. Now, unfortunately for me, I bought a lot more depreciating assets than I did positive assets. Sure. And that, did me dirty, but then I took a job where I was making sixty grand, and I made better decisions, and now I'm in a better spot. Yeah. So that's very interesting that everyone believes that it's well, we need a fifteen dollar, you know, minimum wage. Oil's too expensive. Milk is too expensive. No, the dollar isn't powerful enough. To, yeah. So I have to give you more of them. Yeah. You're fueling a larger crisis when you take the concept of raising the bar, so to speak, right? So when I was a kid. Um, I think my first job, I ended up making, I don't know, like $6 an hour. Let me, okay, so let me tell you this story. So when I, my first job, my first paycheck ever, I was 15 years old, I was getting paid $6 an hour. And I had done the math in my head, amount of hours times dollars. So imagine my surprise when I didn't get that figure. And I called the boss, all him and all, and I'm and I, you know, with my squeaky ass little voice called and demanded to know where my money was. And that's when I got my first case of what taxation was all about, which we'll save for another, you know, another sit down. It's going to be a whole... It took me a while to realize that the dollar per hour thing is a total farce. You should not be trade. You should not be trumpeting or stampeding towards a better dollar per hour. Even a higher salary can get you into trouble. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds really counterintuitive because everybody's you know when you talk about money, everyone always argues. Most people have the same problems, so they don't have enough of it. The reality is, everyone has the same problem, which is that they don't understand it. And if you understand it, you might understand why not you personally, but the mm -hmm. world as a whole. Why it might make more sense to take a forty-five thousand dollar a year position versus an eighty thousand dollar a year position, because if all that 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 phony wealth is getting eaten away by inflation and taxes and gas, time, additional time, yeah, if you ever sat down, like I, I before I got into real estate, I had you know a high-paying salary job, blah, blah blah blah. I sat down one day and actually did all the math, and I think I was making something like twelve dollars an hour. So essentially, even though on paper I had you know quintupled you know my income. From an hourly standpoint, I was just doing a little bit better than the kid who was making sandwiches at 15. So you have to factor all those things in. And you know, that's why when in the beginning of this, I, I kind of used housing as, as a ship. Because we're only 16%. The other 84 still has an impact, right? The 64 doesn't exist without the 84. Excuse me, the 16 doesn't exist without the 84. And understanding the yin and yang of that is, is, is really important. But the question that you had about, okay, I'm making my 100 grand a year. Uh, why am I not rich? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or why am I not, you know, at a point financially where I feel more comfortable? How come I'm having the same problem? Well, six you percent loans, so you're not building equity in the house because you're not making an additional payment, or it's not high enough, mm -hmm. or it's an adjustable rate, or whatever the case may be. But it's it's traded value. It's not dollars earned. Bingo. And that's kind of the lesson for inflation.
Wonder what you guys think. Leave a couple comments. Reach out to us. Tommy Leonard, Adam Costa. This is what we'll be doing. Let us know what you want us to talk about next. Appreciate it.